whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor and a singer. It's Rachel Barlam, everybody. Hello. Hi, Rachel. Hi How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing great. Thank you for coming down here today. Of this is very exciting. Great. I'm glad you're excited to talk about... <laughs> Legally Blonde. I said I'm never wearing that again. I'm wearing this. <laughs> Legally Blonde come into your life? So I'm from Connecticut. Okay. And I grew Ask up an <laughs> I grew up um, seeing a lot of theater in New York, which I was very fortunate. My mom loves theater. So she still sees everything. Oh, I'm great. very jealous. Um, so yeah, my mom took the entire family, I think my brother, sister, dad, and I, to go see Legally Blonde. It opened in 2007, so I'm assuming we saw the original cast. Oh, which great. I didn't even know until wow. I went home a couple weeks ago and looked through our playbill. And I was like, right. I was so lucky yeah. and I didn't even know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we went we went and saw it as a family and we loved it. I mean, it was so, it's so our humor, like as a family. Oh, okay. Yeah, we all thought it was hilarious. Um, and then since then, I mean, my sister and I both love the music. Mm. So... That's just been a score that I, I always listen to. I listen to mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we love some good pop music in in, in, my in your household. Yeah, well, just my <laughs> sister and I really. Your parents don't like good pop music. <laughs> my parents like all music, but uh, n- no, I, th- I think my dad likes a bit more some rock music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Likes a distorted electric guitar. I see. <laughs> a little bit. A little that's bit. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw this on TV. Because uh, I was living in L.A. when this came out, and yes. I saw it on MTV. Uh, so did I. Like a lot of people. And um, you asked me before we started recording whether I like this show or not. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard question for me to answer. Uh, because the answer is ostensibly no. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know why okay. I don't like it. Um, I remember being struck by at the time that it was three hours long on TV, which is not obviously, like, there's commercials and there's stuff. Right. But, like, that's a really, like, because I love the movie. I absolutely think the movie's great. Um, have you seen the movie? I have, but I haven't seen it in a, in a long time. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a really good, you know, it's a pretty typical, I would say, romantic comedy type. Yes, which thing, is, but, like, my but, favorite. With some nice, ever some kind of, for its time, especially unexpected feminist bent mm-hmm. to it. Uh, but... The movie is, you know, it's a typical romantic comedy. It's about 100 minutes long. And so when the, the runtime of the musical clocked in at about three hours, and I was a little, shall we say, surprised mm-hmm. uh, that it, it took that long. Um, I will say, though, that watching it on TV, I had never heard it, so I was just watching it for the first time. And the opening number uh, absolutely knocked me down. I thought exactly. the opening number was it's great. so great. <laughs> <laughs> recently had a similar experience as what you're describing as when I went to go see Mean Girls. Oh, really? Okay. I was like, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. Sure. And I remember sitting there being like, this is so long. <laughs> this, this so is, I mean, I, I saw it um, on its uh, initial opening it here? in D.C. Yeah. So it's changed since then. Oh, sure. But, I don't but think yeah, it's gotten much shorter, though. Which is yeah, the, highly doubtful. There is the thing to be said for the fact that I, I understand that you know theater tickets are expensive. Yes. And people want 
to see what they paid for. And part mm-hmm. of that is like, this is all I'm doing tonight. Like this is, yes. this is all I'm doing. I'm going to see a show. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But also part of me goes, it doesn't need to be three hours mm-hmm. long, you know, two, even two plus, like a little bit with an intermission, two fifteen. Yeah. Fine. But three. I also have a really short hurts. attention span. Okay. So I can, I feel it in my body when I'm like, all right, like, where are we in this show right now? How many more songs do we have? Yeah. But if it's a show that I really love, mm-hmm. I don't feel that way. I think that might be it. Is it just, it kind of, if it clicks with you, if it, clicks, it can like, be four hours great. long. You're like, whatever. Yeah. I don't and you care. Don't even yeah. Yeah. If you're grabbing onto mm-hmm. it at all, at all. But have you ever done it? Legally? Yeah. I'm doing it this summer. Are you really? I am. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where and who are you playing? I am doing it at Keegan Theater. Okay. And I'm playing Vivian. Oh, wow. Which is like Fun. my dream role. I know. Like, probably, Is it really? Yeah. A lot of, I feel like a lot of women would say that they aspire to play Elle. I mean, like, sure. hey, listen, like if I was Elle, that'd be, that'd be. You would have to dye your hair. That'd be great, I too. Yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, it's in the title. That's the yeah, yeah. You got to be blonde. Like you don't blonde. have a choice. There's only one thing we know about the main character. She Can has be to be legally blonde. red. No, um, <laughs> it's a different show. But yeah, Vivian. It's always a part that I wanted to play. It's hmm. such a, a hard sing, which like vocally challenging is always awesome for me. Like I just want to sing like mm-hmm. forever. And um, yeah, yeah. It's just a part that I've always wanted to play. When I I've seen it before. Sure. Again, since then, like at a, a local theater in um, in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and a friend was playing Vivian as well. Oh. So maybe that's why. I always looked up to her. I was like, oh, she's playing Vivian. <laughs> maybe one day I'll play Vivian. <laughs> What's, so when you say it's a hard sing, yes. that actually surprises me because I would mm. the score didn't sound in re-listening. Now, I wasn't listening to it with the ear of someone who was going to sing it, obviously. Mm. But what is it about? That character specifically that you think makes it a hard sing. So I mean, for though oh actually we should let's back up for okay, one okay, second. Okay. And for people who don't know, can you quickly summarize the plot of Legally Blonde? But then also explain who Vivian is in the mix sure, of all that. Sure, sure, yeah. okay. Well, just to start, like Elle has the hardest sing in the entire show. Sure, hands. But, down. but that I would as, yeah. as the lead of the show sings right, right, the most right. songs. Has it's a three hour show. It's so yeah. demanding. That part is so that demanding. I get. And I think yeah. We'll talk about that later, but I, that's why the part was so hard to cast and partially oh, why sure. they decided to do uh, the search for Elwood. Sure. Yeah. Um, but Vivian has this this one part in um, Legally Blonde Remix, right. which is arguably like one of my favorite songs okay. in the show. It's just, All right. Um, and she, she pops out this note at the end. It's like... Uh, I should know what note it is. It's like an A or something, mm-hmm. and it's completely belted. And I recently watched... The MTV mm-hmm. live version that you had seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it like a couple nights ago. Oh my God. She just, she, her doing it live. Oh, <laughs> she killed it. I was like, you girl, you are singing right now. Uh, okay. So a plot, a uh, quick plot. Yeah. Um, so there is a character named Elle Woods. She's from Malibu. Um, she's in undergraduate school right now. Um, she's in a sorority. So that's, that's what the show opens up with her mm-hmm. and the sorority. She thinks that she's going to get proposed to by her longtime boyfriend Warner that night. Um, so she goes on this date and rather than getting proposed to, she gets broken up. With. Right. <laughs> um, it kind of can't go worse. Yeah. It can't go worse for yeah, her. She sure. goes into this like 12 day depression, which is not very long. Not really. No. <laughs> in Elle's demeanor, she is very, positive person she sees the good in things that is true um and so she decides i'm just gonna follow him to harvard law school um which is not easy but she nope but she does it studies Mm -hmm. her butt off and gets a good lsat score and goes and then um while in harvard law school she meets a guy named emmett um he helps her he he kind of awakens her to be like Listen, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? Like, whenever you're around Warner, your IQ drops immensely. And if you want to make it, you have to study and you have to try. Right. So he kind of helps her to, to study. She ends up getting an internship under the Professor Callahan, who is a total shark, not the kindest man in his field. No, certainly not. No, <laughs> no, no. And they end up um, defending a case. Uh, her name is Brooke Windham. She is 
kind of a fitness guru. Um, and the whole deal with that is she is um, – they're thinking that she murdered her husband. Right. And they have to defend her, but no one can get her alibi. Elle ends up getting her alibi. Warner ends – I mean, Callahan ends up kissing her. She realizes – she probably only got the internship because yeah. he wanted to get with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vivian actually is the one that ends up talking her into staying because mm-hmm. she witnesses the kiss. Right. So does Warner, but Warner like leaves and makes up his own story about how it happened. And right. Vivian is like, no, girl, you got this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brooke ends up hiring Elle to defend her. Mm-hmm. Uh, fires Callahan. Wins the case. Right. And then Elle proposes to Emmett. Right. At the end. Yeah. And it's just, it's one big love story uh-huh. with a lot of feminist undertones. And I mean, the main the main theme of the story, in my opinion, is mm. is love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my little That's good. That's summary. a good plot synopsis. Well, and it's important to summarize it also because even if you've seen the movie, there are some differences. Right. Not huge ones, but mainly at the end with the trial, things things turn a little differently than they do in the I, movie. I can't remember what happens in the movie. In the movie, um, it is it, Elle gives the hints about how they turn the key witness upside down. Um, I think she actually, no, sorry. She actually does the questioning of the key witness at the mm-hmm. murder trial. Fernando, is that his name? Uh, I don't know something. The the uh, the guy who claims to be her the the lover who knows that the the, wife uh, the pool the boy the pool boy there yeah, we go yeah it's something taco yeah and he <laughs> that's his uh, last name something taco it's up, right what is that's true God that's that's problematic um, his boyfriend's name is Carlos it's Carlos that's what I was thinking of and because uh, he does that quick list of names mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then. Um, she actually does the questioning during the deposition, I think, to get him to flip in the movie. But then also at the end, when she graduates from law school, um, Emmett proposes to her or is going to. There's okay. a few things like that. Like, oh, I really like tiny... how they switch. That. Yes, I do too. And it comes. It's it's funny. It's very funny on the recording when that when that comes up. Yeah. One important fact is that it, L chases uh, Warner to Harvard because he says he needs someone serious. serious. Right. So she's going to prove that she's serious, which is kind of how Emmett convinces her ironically to let him go because she'll never be serious when he's around which is interesting but his serious uh girl that he gets together with at harvard is like the most serious it's vivian right it's vivian right he's saying he's looking for his jackie kennedy right and And she's a maryland she's a maryland right and that's all she'll ever right which is excellently simultaneously insulting and reductionist at the same time yeah Yeah, it's a really it's a handy (laughs) yeah he ends up see he ends up with vivian because warner is looking for he wants to be the ultimate power couple right he wants to be great and he wants someone who's going to be just as smart and he wants to take over the law scene with whoever he whoever he's with and what ends up happening is at the end is warner comes back and proposes to her after she's won the case. Right. And her response is, Vivian dumped you, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. yeah. And still in her response, she's so nice. Mm-hmm. She's like, my, she's like, thank you. But no. And she gives him this big <laughs> hug. And yeah, that's why he's, that's why he's with Vivian. Mm-hmm. She's smart. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what Elle teaches us is that, you don't necessarily have to be mean to be smart. Like mm-hmm. Vivian, there are points in the show where Vivian is well. Vivian truly has an evil. arc. I mean, the as a Such sort of arc. girlfriend foe, like she's set up kind of at the beginning, especially in the movie with it being Selma Blair mm. to Reese Witherspoon. Is it is a she's a foil to Elle. She's sort of the opposite of mm-hmm. Elle. She and just like everyone else, doesn't take Elle seriously. Thinks she's a joke. All that other stuff. And I think she's threatened by Elle. A hundred percent. And that's why she's so mean. Yes, but she does get won over by L and completely on her side. So she has a a really interesting arc how yeah. L Elle as a character changes everyone else's point of view in addition right. to changing her own. You know, she has her own point of view that everybody comes to realize is is completely valid and it's purely intellectual, which is one of the great things about it is you know, she does do there's some makeover stuff and bend and snap, but it oh, is yeah. but ultimately what she's good at is her intellectual, her those abilities are what make, and like you say, combined with her, with the love of it all, right, make her compelling, and everybody kind of 
is attracted to that in a in a very real, especially the women, in a very real way that she heard it's an infectious kind of quality about right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't know Vivian's life story. I'm sure there's like a very there's a very valid reason as to why she doesn't like girls mm-hmm. that remind her of Elle. Mm-hmm. But and she even in in Legally Blonde remix, she has this line where she's like, "I I do as a rule, I do not bond." Mm. She's so she's it's a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that at the end she's like, "You know what? Actually, I support you, and girl. You got this." I'm like, feminism. Thank you. Bring it around. But so, what is it about the character like that attracts you? Oh no, we actually, I asked you. Mm. What makes it a tough sing? Do you do you think that is it is it mainly the A and yeah in for remix? sure okay it's a hard note to to bell it's a hard note to bell eight eight times a week. I mean, we're not gonna be we're not doing that many shows right this but summer, that's how but written, on Broadway, I mean, right? And right. Um, yeah, it's just one of those parts that if you can't sing it, you can't you can't do it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that that song in particular, and I don't know what her um, her ensemble parts are like too. Sure. In other songs, could be just as hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I mean, I hope they are. <laughs> so you like that? I love singing high. Uh-huh. That is just what I, I just love it. <laughs> really, truly. Um, yes. Why do you love it so much? There's something about when I, when I get up there, mm-hmm. you know, in in. When I get past my break in this very mixy, belty part of my voice, it's just like kind of just let go. It's kind of like an out of body experience. I'm no longer acting per se. Mm-hmm. It's just it is what it is. Like my my voice is just kind of living up there on its own. Hmm. It's That's very really strange. How many times have you gotten to do that? Sing. Sing like that in a um, role. I mean, I'm sure you've done performance in a like role. That, um, Wild Party was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um Madeline True has a pretty high song, but that was also, I mean, I love that role because she is just such a, a strange, different, wild, totally herself kind of character. Sure. So you can act, you can also act. Right. Act. Now we've done Wild Party yeah. on the show, so who would remind the audience who may not remember which which is Madeline True? Oh, Madeline True is known as the lesbian in right. quotes, and she she just spends the whole show just like trying to find somebody to be with right to get with to i mean and sings her big number she is, sings old-fashioned love story right which yeah. is this awesome song about song. why can't lesbians find true love too right hi i'm <laughs> wild and pretty and so you played you, you played me. madeline true yeah and you understudied kate carrie playing kate yeah wow yeah you know <laughs> On the nights where I Those was, are big parts. Yeah, on the nights where Madeline, where I went to play Kate, I was like, "All right, voice, like, yeah, you got this, girl. <laughs> Hold on." And it was fine. It really was fine. Adrenaline gets you through. Oh, For me, sure. I found like, as long as I'm not sick, mm-hmm. adrenaline can can kick can, in. Can kick in. Yeah. But I, yeah, I feel like I'm, I am often playing the supporting roles that have one or two big belty numbers mm-hmm. and then and then either playing uh, other ensemble tracks in the show mm-hmm. or at times chilling out. Right. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's what I'm used to at this point. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So that's interesting. The, it's, it's not normally... I'm interested in the fact that you, you like the the challenge of the of the voice part that you yes. find that to be the fun is it a so we can't get psych i'm not gonna get like psychoanalyzing with it but it's like so you have training obviously yeah i yeah. grew up um i grew up taking voice lessons with uh beverly lambert mm. she's out in connecticut right, she's sure. awesome but yeah. i took with the same woman my my whole life she when i went there when i was 12 she was like i don't take young students mm-hmm. And I was like, but, but, and I just, you know, I sang for her and she's like, all right, I'll take uh, you. Sure. And then I just, yeah, I studied with her growing up. And then in college as well? Third college. Third? I went to university of Maryland mm-hmm. um, and I got my degree in theater. I wasn't really singing that much in college. Hmm. I was doing musical theater classes, sure. 
but it's not it's not a musical theater program. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you get out of it what you make of it. Um, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know, doing I did rent. Oh uh, gosh, they you did rent. rent. I was Maureen's understudy okay. and Mark's mom. I was Mrs. Oh, Cohen. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, in college I was getting majority of my training in acting. Uh-huh. So kind of singing, Oh, I see. Okay. Singing took a took a back took seat. a back seat mm-hmm. to all that. Which is I think which is definitely what I needed. Well, because you've but you've played parts that are I mean, if you don't do them properly, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. You know, and also in addition to even though it, 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 it ranging from sort of the vocal aspect as you say, but also like you just did Fastrada mm-hmm. at Monumental and that part is can be vocally demanding, but it's also physically demanding. I mean, Fistrata is a bananas character. I love her to pieces, but she she is is crazy. I unfortunately did not get to see the production, so I didn't know how it was was staged. But it can be pretty demanding. It can be. Yeah. Um, I was doubling as so I was Fistrata, and then also in the ensemble in some numbers. Sure. So Fistrata, I'm I'm not a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, by dancer standards. Gotcha. Um, I don't want to, yeah. For any dancers Yeah, let's, I'm not a dancer. But, um, I, the way that I played Fistrata is I, I played Fistrata as, as me, which sounds so, Hmm. you know, not exciting. What do you mean by that? Just much more of a acting character voice driven role. Okay. So I did see it on Broadway, and I know, and the part oh, is okay. very um, physically demanding. But Fastrada's dance break and spread a little sunshine was yeah. just much more acting heavy in mind. We played the comedy rather than mm-hmm. you know, well, because you're that. not. I mean, if it's, and I, I was like, well, and it's been yeah. done by it's. It is a. I mean, it was done by. Um, oh Lord. Other oh, redhead lover. Well, I mean, it was. It was Cheetah Rivera in the video, and it was. Um, <laughs> Who did it in the original Broadway? Oh, I I'm, should I'm know just, this. I'm missing her name, um, but it's Bob Fosse. I mean, it is. Yeah. It is like, yeah, yeah. and and that dance break is, uh, is famous for for its sort of demand that it that it possesses. And uh, there we go. Leland Palmer is her name. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Charlotte. Charlotte Rampling. No. No. Um. Not Charlotte Dubois. Rampling. Charlotte. Yeah. Dubois. Who in the in the revival? Yeah. Um. And it was fierce. Exactly right, but these are dancers. I mean, these are dancer right. singers. Yeah, right. this is the this right. is the thing of it, and so the uh, there is an expectation to that. Part. There's an expectation to the whole show. I mean, it's a dance show. It is known for being a dance show. Yeah, and, the revival, and it was the revival. I think helped to break it out of that a little bit yeah, by adding yeah. more of the circus element. So it gets yeah. to be more. It just has to be a physical show. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to necessarily be a dance show. Um, but so yeah, so you you were benefited from that a little bit, but you yeah. still have to get out there and do. Oh the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is kind of out of my <laughs> comfort zone, but I'm gonna act the heck out of it. Sure. And so it was my dance break. I did with um, Lewis, who mm-hmm. was my son in the show. We right. kind of did this like a little bit of partnering. He like lifted me up, and our version of Pippin was modernized. We all had cell phones on stage, right? So. Then once he put me down, we did this like this very strange, like sexy number with your son. Oh yeah, which, which is there, which, which is hundred percent there. there. Yeah, we definitely, definitely showcase that. And yeah. then after that, we had this little bit where he was trying to get a photo of me, and I'm on the ground. And then I'm, he's like trying to, I'm like yelling at him to get the right angle. I'm like okay. higher, get go up higher, and sure, then. Sure. And then I come back in, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm like, Lewis, get right. out of here. And then we start singing, Spread a little singing again. So yeah, it was, right. it was a different, the whole show was a different take on it. But sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was great. I <laughs> physically was demanding. Our, the choreography was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually, we got nominated for Outstanding Choreography. Right. For, yeah. Um, At the Helen, Helen Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Um, and I did some of it. And then, right. I, and then I was out for some of it, but <laughs> it was hard. I remember being very nervous. I, Allie O'Donnell was our uh, dance captain, and mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, "Can you please help me?" <laughs> She'd be on the, the side helping me out, but I did it, and it was great and mm-hmm. physically demanding for sure. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's re- it's really interesting to be to me to be attracted to 
the demanding roles, not necessarily the big roles, like the biggest uh, roles. Yeah. yeah. Because I wouldn't, you know, uh, Vivian is not a part that, it's a part that leaps out on the recording, obviously, mm-hmm. as a as one of the leads. But it isn't what I would ever expect anybody to say. I yeah. absolutely want to play Vivian. Oh, she has that one line. She's like, you got the best freaking shoes. She's like, she's going in. And I'm like, I want to sing that. I want to say you have the best freaking shoes. Like the- uh-huh. I think it's all I think it's partially because it's the roles that I'm used to playing at this point. Mm-hmm. And also just I just love to sing high. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, it's just it really when I sing high it's so were there I'm a, having the best time. When you were younger and yes. seeing theater either in New York or in Connecticut. Mm. Were there what were the roles that were there any other roles where you go oh, like that? Like that would be the Vivians where you were like, "Oh gosh, I want to play that or I want to see that or that that really jumped out at you." Um yeah, I'm trying to think of so g- growing up going to New York, I I really love contemporary musical theater. Okay. That's because I think because those are the types of shows that I want to be in. Sure. Um loved Wicked. Mhm. I mean, like what child <laughs> didn't? I also saw the original cast of that with my grandma. Oh wow. Yeah, I'll never forget there were, it was we were watching the Macy's Day Parade and Wicked was doing their yeah, thing yeah. and I was like, I do not want to see this show. This looks oh really? Weird. Yes, I was huh. like, this looks weird. And then my my grandma took me for my birthday, and I was like, <laughs> I was like <laughs> unwell. I'm really sorry. Like, right? You know, Just sobbing um, the whole time. Yeah. yeah, sure. I would love to be in Wicked one day. I mean, that's a show that I would love to do. Um, what else? Well, who are you attracted to in Wicked? Well, the thing is, I'm attracted to. Or does Elphaba transcend at that point? Because she's so hard to play. <laughs> yes. So I am, yeah. of course, so, I'm yeah. attracted to Elphaba. Right. But I recently saw it over the summer mm-hmm. um, with the current Elphaba, Jessica. Jessica Voss. Yes, yes, Jessica Voss. Her voice was perfection. Oh, yes. Yeah, she can sing. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, she is like, she... Well, yeah. that's the thing, but that is it's the interesting hard, thing man. about that is that there are, there is a difference between there are performers you see do a part and you go, I don't know if I could do that, but I want to do that. Like mm-hmm. that, that, and then there are performers you see do things and you go, yeah, oh. I can't be, I won't be that good. Uh-huh. I can't, I can't get to it. It's like L, honestly, that mm. role is, I mean, you are the entire show. Oh gosh, yeah. And you're singing, you're acting, and you're dancing. Mm-hmm. And I and mean, it doesn't the... slow down as the show goes on. Oh no! I mean, one thing I will say for it is that I mean, it is long, but it is e- both acts are equally weighted. I mean, right. it is not like you know the the shows that I really don't like that are that are long shows or shows that are like ninety minute first acts and 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 forty five minute second acts where you're just like the the balance is way off. But like I mean, this show goes away and comes back and you are she I mean she has i think bend and snap is probably one of the more physically demanding role uh, dance numbers because yeah. because the movement is so specific like it has to be the same yeah bend and snap and it comes very late in act 2 it it does have the the bend and snap that you remember from the movie that very specific choreography right. but there actually are numbers that are so whipped into shape is like the most physically demanding That's true. number yeah. in the whole show. Yeah. I want you whipped into shape when I say jump, say how high. You know you're doing it right when you start to cry. If you don't look like you should, you got to whip it, whip it, whip it good. We have a lot to cover. And I think it's such a great opener to act two. Mm-hmm. So act one ends with so much better where right. L sustains that note at the end that seems like it goes on forever and ever and ever. And she's already been, she's already been belting her heart out for the entirety of the song. Then there's a key change and then she ends <laughs> the, the entire act singing before for for so so long right. and but Laura Bell Bundy during the run you can hear it on the MTV version but she started 
stopping, taking a breath, and then carrying on. Yeah. It's just... It's too long. It's so hard to sustain. Right. Um, and then, you know, so act, act one ends with so much better, which is an insane number, and then opens with act two, which is this jump rope number. Right. Where Brooke Wyndham, the character, is... <laughs> so this is why this number is so great. She is... Jumping her heart out. This woman is like ripped, by the way. Right. She has to be. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Her body is insane. And I mean, I'm sure she's working out so much in order to be able to sustain it physically and vocally. Yeah, yeah. Because in between, um, Callahan is... Yeah, pausing. Pausing it. Right. And And they're... Freeze. Yeah. Like if you watch it, they're just frozen. You can see her breathing, but I would be like bent over heaving. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, um, And then at the end... She's also belting her heart out as well. And on mm-hmm. the live version, she sounds great. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is probably the most physically demanding. There also the dance break in What You Want, which is an oh, eight-minute sure. song. Right. So, so many of these songs are so long and they have so many different parts to it mm-hmm. that before listening to this for the podcast, I was listening to it on my own, just not even realizing that all these parts are one song. Like the songs just yeah. seem to go on forever and ever. And I think it's because a lot of them have so much exposition, so many different sections that I think are are written very well. And I like how I think they they interweave the exposition with with the music in a in a very smart way. Mm-hmm. But right at the end of what you want, she's like, How's this for a personal essay? And they all like they burst in storm in. Right. And that section is is a nice little dance break as well. It's fast. Mm-hmm. And then that's the first time where you see L like Yeah, B L really. Yeah. Be, dance. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God. So she can sing, she can act, and you have to really be able she's like tapping. She Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's a great number. So that one is also pretty pretty demanding. Yeah, it does well. spread itself out pretty well yeah. in, in in that sort of I think terms. so. And then they have, like, after that, you have the numbers like Harvard Variations and Blood in the Water, where a lot of people are like, those are skip numbers, you know? And no one wants to listen to Harvard Variations. I like I like Harvard Variations. What's the knock on Harvard Variations? So I like it because it establishes the world of Harvard, mm-hmm. not only by the this, like, kind of looming gothic, it's a different sound. All of a sudden, like, you're in Harvard. You can hear it the second the orchestration starts. I'm on a Fulbright and a Rhodes. I write financial software codes. But that's a challenge I've outgrown. How many yachts can one man own? Some say that I'm a pompous creep. Somehow I don't lose that much sleep. Why bother with false modesty? Harvard's the perfect place for me. Pretty impressive, good to know. Welcome to Harvard. What's up? Yo! But, and then you ha- you meet all these characters. You meet Aaron Schultz and Sundeep and Enid Hoops. And they have, I like that you get to, you get to know these characters that have worked their butt off to get into Harvard Law School. Right. But some, a lot of people are like, no, like, I think it, this song is boring. Like, I'm just going to skip it. I, I, but I, I like it. I've always liked that song. Uh-huh. Um, you get to hear a lot of different personalities and you get to see how out of place Elle is. And she has no idea. Yes, it's very true. She has no idea. And you yeah. meet Emmett for the first time as well, but he doesn't really get... He doesn't do He doesn't really it, like, shine not... until Chip on my shoulder. You don't really get right. to know him. You don't him, get to know, know who him. he is and, and what his whole his whole situation is. That's a, that's a song I very much enjoyed, actually. Me Chip too. On my shoulder. Okay. I grew up in the Roxbury slums with my mom and a series of bums. Guys who showed me all the ways a man can fail. I got through law school by busting my ass. Worked two jobs in addition to class. So forgive me for not weeping at your tail. <laughs> well, excuse me, just because you've got some kind of chip on your shoulder. You know what? You're right. There's a chip on my shoulder, and it's big as a boulder. With the chance I've been given, I'm gonna be driven as hell. I'm so close I can taste it, so I'm not gonna waste it. Yeah, there's a chip on my shoulder. 
you might want to get one as well. So back at what you said about the beginning, what right. strikes me about this every time, and it's because I think I've seen the movie a bunch, is how long it takes us to get to Harvard compared to the movie. The movie kind of hop, skips, and jumps us into Harvard mm -hmm. to, because that's really when the story gets going is mm -hmm. when she gets to Harvard. And the musical spends a good chunk of time in California showing her how she got into the school, mm -hmm. which I, on one level, very much appreciate because in the movie, it's it's kind of glossed. Like, they, they mention, like, well, she's got a 4.0 and she got, a, like, an excellent LSAT score. Like, they just right. sort of say it. Right. And... I, it's very funny that like, oh, by the way, she's really smart. Like she is really smart. And yeah. she sort of demonstrates that a little bit about that. She's smart about fashion and she's, like, she can't be fooled by sales, but like that's mm -hmm. in the movie and stuff. And that's great. But the, um, the, the musical decides to spend more time with getting her into Harvard. And while I do especially appreciate moments throughout that, like the, um, the reggae breakdown that her dad has, which I think is actually hilarious and takes me off guard. With every the, re time the reggae happens. breakdown and what you want. Yeah. With the with the like fraternity guys. Is that who that is, or is that? Yeah, they're okay. They're like all these white dudes who appear right. like singing reggae, and you're yeah. like, "What's happening?" It is really it's, yeah. it's a very very funny moment. But beyond that, I feel like I kind of want to get. I want to get to Harvard, which mm. is why I like Harvard. Like you say, Harvard Variations, though, I wonder if it would work without the other numbers, is a stark change in tone. Like, Agreed. Which is what it's supposed to be, obviously. Yeah. Like, we're in a, you're in a different world. It's the East Coast. From not... the first, from the start of the music, no one's singing, you know. You're like, Some, where are we? We yeah. are somewhere else. Right. Something and this feels is very off. different. Right. And I think that's why I have an appreciation for for the music here because the com the composers of the score mm -hmm. who are, are married, um, yes. Lawrence O'Keefe and, and Nell Benjamin. Right. Um, they, every, not character per se, but some of the characters, yes, have their own unique sound, their own unique vibe. And you know, they, it's different dependent on where we are or who we're with. Like, so for instance, Elle's music, all of her theme songs, like Oh My God, You Guys, mm -hmm. and Positive, and So Much Better, very poppy. Mm -hmm. But not not too much pop at this time or at the early 2000s. Like, I think it's a generalized pop, which is nice because it won't get dated. Mm -hmm. And um, very, I mean, I think their music is great, very catchy. Mm -hmm. Then you go to a song like Serious, where you're with Warner, and it's like this... 90s yeah. boy band like kind of R&B ballad it's just so right for him mm -hmm. like that is how Warner sees himself like mm -hmm. it's Warner's ego singing mm -hmm. he's like I am in this boy band and I am so smooth and this is my theme song right and then you make it to a song like Blood in the Water where you're with Callahan who is who is part of like the Harvard world so we just talked about um, Harvard Variations mm -hmm. which is its own like you know, <laughs> gothic kind of. We're in we're in a completely different world here. But then with Callahan, when he's singing about blood in the water, that's Callahan's big band. Like that's how, in my opinion, that's how his ego sounds. Mm -hmm. He is like, I am this jazzy old soul who, like, I need a huge orchestra behind me because I'm it. Right, like, I'm the guy. Like, mm -hmm. and and I feel as though. That's what makes the music in this show so, so great. Mm -hmm. And and for instance, uh, Paulette, she has her yeah. whole Irish bit. Yeah. Which, um, Lawrence O'Keefe was was Irish, and mm -hmm. I think it's a tribute to his his grandfather. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So, like that just feels so random, but yeah, it works and it's hilarious. And then they bring the. Um, the Irish music back at the end during right. My Way. Right. Where he's like, my middle name is Brendan. Right. And I, <laughs> you, just, you, can't, you can't even expect something like that. There are so many surprises in this show, jokes wise, mm -hmm. that I think are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, there are some excellent turns mm -hmm. that really do. I, I, I wonder how well the, um, the Irish music section ages because that feels very. It's 2006, 2007 Starbucks CD. Like, because that was a thing. Like, what made me laugh out loud listening to it this time was it was the memory of the fact that, like, 
there were these CDs that people had yes. in the stores that were playing, and they were there, like propped up next to the register. In a bar once I met this guy, Dewey, and he bought me like 14 beers. And he told me that he was from Ireland. So I lived with him 10 years. If I squinted, he looked like my sailor through my boozy delusional fog. But he dumped me for some slut named Kayla, took my trailer and took my dog. Allowed to shoot him in the knee. Quotation marks. We, we listened to some Enya in my household. Yeah, growing up. but it's not even as focused as Enya. Yeah. I mean, it's just like pan flutes and then like wandering zithers, and, and then, then like we're the like whales. we're back out. Yeah, and flutes, and then we're back out again. Like and it because it, it's meant to be background music, which right. is interesting. Compositionally, is a very interesting challenge to sort of compose a music theater solo that is ostensibly based around background music. Right. Um, and it is, like you say, the way it comes back is really, is really nicely done. It's, Great. it's a, it's a very tightly wound show. And there's an excellent podcast uh, episode of a show called Broadway backstory, where they go into the entire making of this show. Mm. And it was written. I mean, it was written and rewritten and really, really, really worked very hard. Interesting problem of adapting these, these movies. I, yeah, I think it's. And, and what, you know, you, you like you say the source material for Mean Girls, of the three films of Legally Blonde, Heather's and Mean Girls, Mean Girls is the best movie. Like I don't think there's any question about that of those three movies. I agree with you. And I yeah, love that. Movie. And, yeah, and it's it's something about why does it why does it sing? This is a question I just asked. I, I was lucky enough to interview um, Doug Cohen and Dan Ellish, who just had um, Dan Ellish who wrote the book for um, Thirteen. The Jason Robert Brown oh, musical, Dan and Doug Cohen, who's a composer, has written songs like "No Way to Treat a Lady" and the gig uh, scores for those shows. And mm-hmm. he, they have a off-Broadway show where the cast album is just coming out called "The Evolution of Man," and um, which, by the time the audience is hearing this podcast, this episode will already come out. But one of the things I asked them about, because it's based on a novel that Dan wrote, is why does this sing to you? And they had a very good answer about, "Oh, I think this is a musical because," and you mm-hmm. can listen to that and find out why. Legally Blonde and Heather's to me both sing. Mm-hmm. They both, I mean, Elle Woods, say, say what, you know, I can say anything I want about the, the musical adaptation of Legally Blonde. It doesn't commit the worst sin that a musical can commit, which is, I don't have any idea why this is a musical. This right. absolutely is a musical. The story, when they when I heard about they were turning the movie into a musical, I went, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That character sings, even when she's in the, in the Reese Witherspoon film. The character is vibrant and alive, and I get totally like, oh, this, you could translate all those emotions right. into songs and that world into music, and I would absolutely make sense. Heather's to me is the same way, where I get why that is a, also a musical. There's something about that story that can twist in that direction, and I go, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. I don't know why Mean Girls sings. Mm. I don't know what it is about it that makes it a musical. I, I, it just doesn't seem to need that extra. There's nothing new to be not anything needs there's nothing new to be discovered by adding True. that other element to yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And so when I Mean Girls is one of my favorite movies. Absolutely. And so yeah. when I went to see it, I mean that just puts a lot of pressure on anything. It does. Yeah. And I think And you're seeing it before it's on Broadway, so yeah. it, you don't know like your perform Well, somebody told us they were at a performance um where the bus broke. And Tina Fey came on stage and just like vamped for 10 minutes because, oh yeah, I know they were, they felt very fortunate, but like, that's what you're seeing when you see it here. You're seeing yeah, it yeah, on yeah. its way. Like every performance is a little different. Songs are getting cut, put in, taken out like that's So it is not totally fair to judge it completely. Right. But they're also presenting it to you to be judged. So here you are. I also, I haven't <laughs> lis- really listened since. Mm-hmm. So from what I remember, I just remember that. Either some jokes were taken out that I thought were important or jokes were added that I that I didn't think were necessary. I never felt that way with with Legally Blonde. I mm-hmm. think that they adapted the movie into a musical very 
well. And yeah. the jo- and I, from what I remember, the jokes that are different or slightly altered, the comedy in in this musical works very well and and didn't. I mean, I was so much younger then, but like, it didn't bother me then. You know what I mean? But I, I, yeah, seeing Mean Girls, I also the music too. I, I just like the music better in Legally Blonde. I, I like. Yeah, the I was, better. I was very, I was a little shocked how how kind of ugh, I, th- I felt the score was. I am so impacted because again, by music tip when I see a show. Like, sure. Well, it's a musical. I mean, right, yeah. right. But, but that's just a, by know. the sound, like l- lyrics aside, for instance, when I saw Dear Evan Hansen mm-hmm. in DC, I someone posted that they had comps, someone I didn't even know. Oh, wow. And no one had really, no one knew anything of it. Right. It was so I was like, New York. Yeah. I'll take one. Sure. And I went alone. And it was just like the, the music itself, maybe it was Ben Platt's voice, probably was. I was just weeping like I was so affected from from waving through a window like from the beginning mm-hmm. of it. And so just something about I mean yes, Legally Blonde is is so well written, very smart and I think the comedy is brilliant. Just the sound itself, the music from the start. Oh my god, you guys. Mm-hmm. I, I just it, it it just really impacted me. It is it it's something to be commended. It may not sound like a compliment when I say it. But it is rare enough to to that it should be pointed out that the fact that this show has a score that fits the the subject matter, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's a bop, yeah, and that's bop. what it, and that's what it should be because yeah. that's who the character is, you know, what I mean, that's what it's following, and there's that's the energy behind it, that's the age of the characters, that's yes. the experience they're going through, and the fact that it has a score that that does that and that knows what it is and suits the subject matter is commendable. It is not, it it sounds not like a compliment when I say it, because I've also said I don't really enjoy it, but just because I don't enjoy it doesn't mean it isn't right for the show. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mean Girls, as a contrast, I think objectively the score doesn't fit. It's written by a lot of people, except for now Benjamin, who though don't write, shows it, it doesn't have a show like a, a broadway team to it i mean it has tina fey writing the book tina fey is hilarious Love but her. her her humor is largely based in film and television that's her style her rhythm depends on the editing to get the joke across exactly right it's been a long time since she wrote for snl which also still has cuts in it you know they're live but they're camera cuts in that mm-hmm. and you can write to that um and uh her her husband, whose name is escaping me, who wrote the music, um, is a is a very good TV composer. And when he wrote the music for uh, for Thirty Rock, he, they did write um, a lot of songs mm-hmm. that are hilarious songs and very well performed and parodies a lot of styles. And that's almost kind of what what Mean Girls feels like to me at times is a parody of a show like Legally Blonde instead of what the movie is, which is a movie like Legally Blonde. It's, it's an actual like story about this character going through these things. And it has moments of heightened hilariousness. The scene that will always crack me up in Mean Girls uh, is the um, when they're leaving the party and the guy's driving the car and he won't stop because he's out past curfew. <laughs> So like it, it, they're being they're yelling at each other from like the moving car that's going just like six miles an hour down the street. I just think that scene's great. He's just like I was I was supposed to have the car home at midnight. I will not stop, and he just keeps going slowly down. It's brilliant. But you can't do that on stage. No, and, that's a movie joke, you know. Right, and that's sort right. of how Mean Girls felt to me. It's like well, and it's also produced by Lauren Michaels, who, for what he is, is not a Broadway producer. It's not a show. I need to. This is I need to go back and re-listen to the entire soundtrack now mm-hmm. because. Yeah, I yeah, because like this is a show. Like Legally yeah. Blonde is a hundred. Like I say, I I don't want it to sound like I'm I'm damning it with faint praise because but it is, it is Jeff Richmond. There we go. Finally, my phone worked, and Jeff Richmond is Tina Fey's husband who wrote the music to to Mean Girls. Um, but so many it, husband wife duos. I know, right? And he's writing with someone else's wife. Oh, well, that's tough. Well, of course, there's all the rumors about this show too, but that's a whole other thing. But um, the. It, it, it is rare enough to be complimented that, like, Legally Blonde 
it's a damn musical. Like and it really is. It, yeah. it take it or leave it. It's a it's a hundred percent a musical. I think there's so much heart behind it. There's so much drive. You really Elle is such a lovable character and you want her to succeed. And I think it's just it's a show where you really just fall in love with the characters. Mm-hmm. And even though there's so much ridiculousness behind Elle growing up in Malibu and and her sorority sisters and, and then there's the Greek chorus, you still understand her and her pain. We haven't even mentioned the Greek chorus. No, I can't we haven't even it. mentioned the Greek chorus. There's so much. There's so That's much. The, the, the Greek chorus bears mentioning because it's hilarious and its, its hilarious. usage is, is, is very nicely done. Yeah. It's like, you know, they take these girls from this Greek sisterhood society. Right. They turn them into a Greek chorus. Absolutely. There's three of them. Very smart. And it's very, very smart. They're in, it's everything inside of Elle's brain. Yeah. You know? And where she's coming from. And, and you she's get fighting the- them off. She's like, no, God, you, the Greek chorus is there saying you got to be positive, but right. you're going to do it when right. you pull her hair and call her a whore. Right. Like, no, <laughs> no, guys, no, no, I'm on. better than this. Because <laughs> right. she is. Yeah. <laughs> she is. Well, but she is the one thing about the long opening that is established is is why people like Elle. I mean, they do. Mm. The, the, the Greek chorus goes out of its way to sort of demonstrate at the beginning that before they're actually a chorus yeah. when they're actual beginning people they're real human when they're real people that she she is somebody that everybody rallies around and it's not because she's mean and it's not because she's cruel and she only very wisely in the writing she only attacks when threatened so like when the sales girl treats her like treats her like crap she lashes back, but she doesn't in a, in a nice way, though. in a very nice way. And she doesn't demand anything. She doesn't like it, it's then the other the manager swoops in and like sees what's happening and goes, oh, my gosh, like, never mind. And yeah. scurries the girl off. Yeah. And, and it's all but it's handled in, in a non like she is at no point in the movie or the musical and especially not the beginning a what we expect her to be. She's not a parody right. of a character. She's not a dumb blonde. She's a lot of people assume she is a dumb blonde and she confounds their expectations at every turn. And that's right. the point. I mean, that is basically the point of the that you can be fashionable and into fashion and, you know, kind of funny. And she's a little silly, but she you can you, know, you can also be incredibly smart and also right. creative in her thought process, which was demonstrated in her first like big you law can room use tribute. a you can wear pink and you can still do it. And B, right. <laughs> you can use what you know best to help make you succeed. I mean, mm-hmm. L had a 4.0 in fashion merchandising in right. undergrad. And I mean, she wins the case because of her knowledge of beauty products. Right. And like at first that sounds so ridiculous, but that's what she knows and what she's good at. Does the show keep the thing from the movie about not revealing the alibi? Like not being able yes. to use the alibi? Okay. Because yeah. Brooke had liposuction she like doesn't want to say it and then right. she'd and, rather kind of go to jail for the rest of her life or yeah, die than, and then yeah Elle is the only one who can get it out of her because right. she's somebody that brooke feels like she can trust right. no none of the other lawyers she's like i don't trust any of you guys right and when she gets it she's like okay guys got the alibi and they're like okay what is it and yeah, i was like, like I, I can't, can't tell, tell you. you right but it is the the nice thing that the movie and the musical play on is there's some very stereotypical lawyerly tropes in, in, Mm. in this and like, what's the problem with lawyers and like the fact that professor Callahan only views as is established very well in, in his song that he views the cases as commodities, not even just as cases. He's a special kind of bad lawyer (laughs) where like, you know, lawyers are trained to view their cases just as cases and their clients just as that, like as, as this specific thing, because that's how the legal systems work. But like mm. Callahan's whole like, no, I do this and that and that will turn into money. Like they add this layer of yeah. business to it that makes it especially smarmy, but separates it from somebody like Emmett, who is a lawyer and is focused on being a lawyer and wants to make a lot of money to buy his mom a house, yeah. house on the Cape and all that. But like is not it's the law that he loves it's not the money of it you know what i mean there's a difference between right. those two things and it's an important distinction because otherwise 
the story would be about all these terrible lawyers and why do you want to be like oh and she's a good lawyer that's like but we hate lawyers like why would you do that so it does a really nice job of separating like there's lawyers and there's bad lawyers right and just because you view things this way doesn't mean that there's a worse way to do this and then that's what happens obviously right and when l won't give them the alibi she has the scene where she's fighting with emmett where she's like well what do you want you want to have our client not trust us anymore and you know take away our our integrity and Emmett's like, you know what? Like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, what you were saying about Emmett is that he kind of has a, a similar storyline to Elle in a way. It's mm. like a, a strange kind of parallel, I guess, that he tells her in Chip on My Shoulder. I, I know some people, I've heard people before say, well, I don't like that, that Emmett you know, this guy swoops in here and Emmett, you could say, is maybe the reason behind why Elle tries harder. I've heard people mm-hmm. say that before. Yeah. But, you know, through through listening it, he's trying to help her because he has a line in there where he's like, people thought the same thing about me too. Yes. People yeah. made fun of me too. Right. He's kind of, he was in the same boat as her. He was underestimated. He was the underdog, but he worked two jobs, got himself through law school and fought his way to the top. And that's why he's trying to help her. He's like, no, you can fight too. You're smart. Yeah. You know, he's, and so. He, I, I can see the point that, that you could view it that way, that he is a, a, the male savior, but. I would counter that with agreed. Yeah, that he he because he doesn't all he does is push her. Right. He doesn't give her any opportunity she wouldn't have normally had. He says saying you need to be driven. Why are you here? Yeah. What do you want? Okay. If that's what you want, then this is how you like this is what you have to do to get it. Right. Take it or leave it. And he really does, even in the song, um what's the name of the song that uh where he's that takes place over um uh, a couple seasons, so much better. Uh, is that the one where oh, oh, she's one studying? That's a chip on my that's shoulder. That's a chip on my shoulder. See, their songs are so long, you long forget song. that they're right. that even the a, same yeah, song. Maybe yeah. Should, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, but all he says to her is stuff like, you know, you don't, she she, she has basic misunderstandings of how, how law school works. Like mm-hmm. it was just demonstrated in the opening when she says, when she first gets to law school, it was like, no one assigns reading for the He's first like, where day. are your books? Right. And they don't like, look like you've read them. Like, they're underneath all my stuff. Care, care. And it's just the thing of like, yeah, do you want, if this is what you want and you want to be taken seriously. Great. This is right. what, this is what you have to do to be taken seriously. And she does it. Like that's the, and he keeps saying like, do you really need to go home for Thanksgiving? Or could, should you stay here and study? And that's all he says is ask the question. He doesn't, he's not Mr. Miyagi. He's right. not demanding she do these things. Well, he's helping her to, to improve what he says, improve what's inside your head. He's helping right. her to study, but it's not until the end of the song, really, where he he lets her discover what her chip is that's mm-hmm. on her shoulder. Because he has this this moment where he's like, "When you speak to Warner, yeah, your IQ just drops. Like, you don't need to be that way." Yeah, and she's like, "Wait, you know what? Mm-hmm. Warner is the chip on my shoulder." Yeah. Now, if she spent the rest of the show chasing his approval. Then yes, I would say right. yes, that's true. That's what that character does. But she doesn't. And she helps him too. Right. Because then there is Take It Like a Man. Yeah. Which is not one of my favorite songs in the show. <laughs> I feel like it's one of the songs I used to skip growing up. But okay. <laughs> um, I, there are a lot of brilliant jokes in there. He's like, what is this place? And she's like, a department store. <laughs> and, you know, there are all those jokes about the perfumes. Like, yeah. this is subtext. I, I, that makes me laugh every time. Sure. Um, but yeah, she, it's a similar thing. She helps him out too. She's like, listen, what's inside your head is so great. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows you are so smart. But you need, you need to reflect it on the outside too. Mm-hmm. You need to carry yourself because you need to carry yourself well because you're, you're going into jobs where you got, you know, model lookalikes like Warner over here who's mm-hmm. not even close to as smart as you. And she helps him out too. It's right. kind of they help each other to become well-rounded 
characters, like well-rounded. <laughs> they, they got it all now. I don't know. It's nice. Uh-huh. And that song also establishes their relationship. Right. That was wonderful. Thank you, Rachel. You're very welcome. This is so much fun. Where can pe- so you're going to be in Legally Blonde this summer. I am. At Keegan. At Keegan. We open at, at Keegan will open on August 3rd. Okay. And um, we'll run throughout August. Nice. That'd yeah. be great. Thank you so much for doing Thank this. Thank you this for was having so me. Much fun. This was very fun. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Rachel Barlin for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I've got you to lean on. We've got you to lean on.